Well, good morning. It's great to be together again for a time of sharing, reflection, and I hope inspiration. And while I know most of us are not together physically, I hope that we can be together in heart and in purpose and in desire. And as we launch into 2021, Phyllis and I, well, we've given a lot of thought to, to a theme for the year, you know, a theme that would guide us as we strive to glorify God and share Jesus with others, and also to be transformed more into, into likeness, His likeness ourselves. And uh, we were going to introduce this last week, but we got interrupted a little bit. We had to take a, a little pause and talk about some other things. But this week, we're ready to go ahead and launch into our, our theme for 2021, which is the year of open doors. Now, this theme is based on a, a portion of Scripture that Jesus sent to the church in Philadelphia. Now, not the Philadelphia that's in Pennsylvania, but the Philadelphia that was a frontier city in the first century. It was, it was established near where, where three countries kind of came together, Mysia, Lydia, and Phrygia. And the purpose uh, for founding this city was really to become a missionary city for the spreading of the Greek culture and the Greek language. And they were they were so effective in this in that, well, within 150 years uh, later, the people of Lydia couldn't even really speak their own native language. They were all speaking Greek. Philadelphia was called the Gateway to the East. And it was in this gateway city that Jesus said that this little church that he had set before them, he had set before this little church an open door of salvation and of service to him. Now, let's read from a passage. It's from Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. And it reads like this. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, The words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which... No one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. So here Jesus uses this metaphor of an open door. And the metaphor of an open door or opening doors for someone or something is used for many different things. In business, it uh, is used for uh, doing things like uh, a new career, a new product, maybe a new area of sales, uh, or things like that. In, in science, it can refer to a new discovery that would then lead on to many other new discoveries and other new ideas. And I mean, basically, it's a metaphor for providing the way to something new or successful that would then lead to other new and successful uh, discoveries. So this passage points uh, to Jesus as the one who has the key to these doors of our lives, and he, and he alone can open these doors. And that the doors that he opens, no one can shut. So it means like when Jesus opens a door in our lives, they are truly open. We all need doors opened in our lives, right? I mean, we all need and long for many new things. We, we long for new character, new relationships, new beginnings, new opportunities. We, we want new, maybe in more powerful prayer lives, new faithfulness or fruitfulness, new opportunities to serve or to give. The list, 
of the doors that we want or need opened in our lives. It just goes on and on. And what Jesus is telling the people in Philadelphia is that he is the one who's got the keys to the doors. Now, this year, we're going to look at exactly how Jesus opened these, opens these doors for us. I mean, we're going to talk about opening the door to faith and the door to wisdom, opening the door of grace and the door of love, service, confidence, uh, opportunity, sacrifice, friendship, peace, freedom. We'll probably hit freedom somewhere around July the 4th. I don't know. Uh, but opening the door of joy, patience, the door of victory from your past. Opening the door of power, the power of God in your life, and on and on. Now, as I said before, Jesus is the one with the keys to these doors. And as we begin this theme for 2021, the, the year of the open doors, we need to see a few things about Jesus and what he has to say about these doors and what we need to do to be ready to walk through them. And that's what this lesson is about. It's about the basic principles of Jesus' open doors and what we need to do on our end, who we need to be in order to take advantage of these open doors. You see, our challenge is we often think we have the keys to the open doors, right? I mean, I just need to work harder. I need to pray longer. I need to read my Bible, be more self-disciplined. And the thing is, these are all great things. But Jesus still said, Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. So the first thing that we need to understand that Jesus, uh, you know, about Jesus when he says he opens the door for us, uh, is that, that Jesus says, I set before you an open door. He is the one who does it. He chooses the doors to open for us. See, not only does he open them, but he gets to choose the door. Now, we, we talk a lot about God's timing and God's will for our lives, but it's, it's hard not to inject our own timing, right, and our own will into our daily plan, isn't it? I mean, who knows what doors I need open better than me? Well, for starters, maybe Jesus does, but he's the one who opens the doors, right? No one can open the doors that he opens, and no one can shut doors that he opens, He's also the one who picks the doors he wants to open. Now, can I influence his choice? Well, perhaps I can. I mean, it doesn't hurt to try, right? I mean, you know, I, maybe I could say, uh, Sovereign Lord, I know that you, uh, you know all things. Uh, you have power over all things. Nothing with happens without your will. And uh, However, in case you're interested, God, in my point of view and what I think we need to do, I don't know about you, but I've prayed that prayer many times. But ultimately, we got to get back to your will be done. Because regardless of my thoughts, my ideas, my agenda, Jesus is the one who opens the doors, and Jesus is the one who picks which doors he wants to open for me. Often we try to force open doors ourselves, don't we? We try to force open doors, and, and we're frustrated. And the thing is, we try to open them ourselves, and when we failed uh, to open them ourselves, we blame Jesus. Well, because you didn't do what I asked you to do, Lord. And we become like that petulant little child who gets mad at his mommy or daddy because he won't always buy him candy every time they go to the store. We've been trying to open doors and keep doors from opening a long time as a people. 
been doing it for thousands of years. Why, the first door lock, or what we imagine as a door lock, was invented, invented in Egypt about 3,000 years ago. And little was in, you know, improvement came on those locks until, until Roman came along. And Romans came along and invented a kind of a notched key. And then it pretty much stayed stagnant like that until major improvements came in the 1700s. A man by the name of Yale, you may recognize that name from different locks you have around the house. He invented the tumbler lock. And after this development and opening and closing doors, you know, the development started coming a lot quicker. Combination locks happened, you know, with a series of memorized numbers or letters, and they put them in order in the tumbler locks and the thing. Uh, the, the timed locks came around around 1873. And even though we found many ways to close doors and lock them up or to open doors that were seemingly locked tight, we got to learn we got to learn to trust Jesus' and His timing. Jesus' wisdom and the doors that Jesus chooses to open in our lives and in our character and in our situations. We've got to let Him be the one who opens the doors and not try to force them open ourselves or pick the lock ourselves. Now, in this letter to the church in Philadelphia, our, our Lord tells the church that He's the one who opens doors, right? No one can shut uh, that door that he opens. And when he closes a door, no one can open that door because he's the one that's got the key. It's very similar to what he says of himself in, in John chapter 10, uh, verses 2 through 4, when he says that the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper, open, gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought all... Uh, he's brought out all of his own. He goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. See, Jesus is the way to that open gate, that open door. He's the way. And not just for salvation, which I know is the, the primary focus here of what he's talking about, but also in everyday life because in that same chapter, just in verse 10, he goes on with what was our theme verse a, a, a few years ago, that the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So as I embrace or surrender to the fact that Jesus is indeed the key to opening the doors in my life, I have to surrender to the fact that I'm powerless to do this myself. Let's go back to Revelation chapter 3, verse 8, where Jesus says, I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Jesus said, I know you have little power. You know, I find that the older I get, the easier it is for me to accept my life. And I've proven to myself over and over how powerless I am over my own sinful nature, my own laziness and selfishness. I have to surrender to it, and i got to admit I've got, I've only got but a little power. I need help. And what's encouraging and inspiring is that even though I'm powerless and need help, help is available. Jesus is there to open the doors I need open when I need them. And he knows when is best and when I really, when I really need them. Now, 
That doesn't mean that I, I, I don't do anything, right? I mean, look at what Jesus said to the disciples here in Philadelphia. He looked at what he says they were doing. He says, you have kept my word and you have not denied my name. So the second principle that we need to understand is that we need to stay spiritual for the doors to be open for me. One way of doing this is to keep in the word. And one of the keys to opening the doors of growth and success in my life is trusting in his word. Of the seven churches mentioned in Revelation, this this little church in Philadelphia, it gained notoriety uh, from Jesus. Why? Well, not because of its size and its programs, but because it was faithful to the word of God. Despite all the situations that were going on and the pressures they had in Asia Minor, despite that other churches were compromising in teachings uh, and, and immorality, little Philadelphia was steadfast and faithful to Jesus. We can't separate Jesus from the Word, the Bible. Now, many people try to do this, right? They, they ignore or minimize the Scripture and then call on Jesus to save them or bless them. It's interesting that the Gospel of John starts off by saying that Jesus is the Word. Brothers and sisters, the Bible is real. And it is powerful and it is effective and it is essential for the opening of doors in our lives. The Bible is the word of Jesus, and holding to it, in spite of the challenges, well, that's what set Philadelphia apart in Jesus' mind. We don't don't know anything about this little church in Philadelphia, but we know, okay, it was one of those churches that was founded, you know, from this, this sentence in Acts chapter 19, verse 10, where it says the gospel spread on out, Uh, from Ephesus to all of Asia Minor. We know that some of the believers, at least from church history in Philadelphia, were martyred with Polycarp and Smyrna. But that's about it. Even in non-New Testament writings, there's just not a lot about this church. The church then lasted there, evidently according to church history, for a few more centuries until that whole region was overrun by Muslims in the 14th century. But what we do know is this. Now, Revelation 3, 8, and one we just read, 7 and 8, but also what we read in Revelation chapter 3, verse 10, where it said that this church had kept my command to endure patiently. Kept my command to endure patiently. How are we really at keeping the commands of Jesus? Do we, do we compromise the word concerning morality when we're confronted with, well, with an opportunity that's just too good to be true, right? Do we compromise the word and abandon our love and our patience with someone, maybe when someone's mistreating us, or it gets to be just too tough, or it's just gone on, this has gone on too long. Can't stand, you know, I've stand all I can stand, I can't stand no more. Do we compromise the word and give in to our laziness and selfishness when, when, when loving and serving others, when it just gets, you know, too inconvenient, too imposing? Friends, we, we can't live a life of unrighteousness on one hand and expect God or Jesus to open doors for us on the other hand. 
One of the reasons Jesus decided to open doors for Philadelphia was that they held to his word. And they endured hardship, mistreatment, and persecution, and they endured it patiently. Which brings me to the third principle that we need to understand as we we prepare ourselves for the open doors Jesus has for us. We need to understand that when we walk through these doors, we need to walk through as representatives of Him. Back in Revelation 3, verse 8, the Scripture said, You have kept my word, we've talked about that, and have not denied my my name. They did not deny His name. What that means is that they understood and embraced the fact that they were Christ's ambassadors. That their every action, their every reaction reflected on the name of Jesus. They understood that they represented Jesus' name at work and at play and at home, in the neighborhood or in the community. They did not deny His name. They held it up proudly. You see, we can deny the name of Jesus blatantly, right? We can say, well, Jesus is not the Son of God. But you know, we would never do that. No, our challenge is that we can also deny His name in, in much more subtle and to some acceptable ways. Like not speaking up for Jesus or righteousness when someone is being ungodly, speaking ungodly or acting ungodly. Someone, someone at work or at school or at home. Think about this. Have you ever noticed that we often consider taking the Lord's name in vain very seriously? You know, and of course there's that whole command, thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. So when someone attaches the name Jesus or God to unrighteousness or swear words or things like that, we we react, we respond. Yet if they leave the names off and they continue to speak unrighteously or in an un-Jesus-like way, we remain silent and compliant. But is it really any different? You see, friends, it's not just Jesus' actual name that is holy and should be respected. It's everything he stands for, everything he taught, everything he held dear. To to not deny his name is to not deny anything about him or anything he stood for. And this is what set our brothers and sisters in Philadelphia apart. And I pray that it can set us apart too. So as we go through this year and and consider all the opportunities and the open doors that Jesus holds for us, I pray that we can remember these three principles that we need to hold on to in order to be ready to walk through those doors. We may have but little power, but we can do these things. We can, number one, surrender to the fact that Jesus has the power to open these doors and He gets to choose the doors to open. Don't try to force the doors open without Jesus. Number two, that in order to see the open doors and to walk through them, we must remain spiritual. We can't live a life of unrighteousness on one hand and expect Jesus to open doors for us on the other hand. And then number three, revere, respect, and honor His holy name in our daily lives. Now, next week, Josh is going to continue to talk and to teach us about being spiritual as we prepare for the open doors. 
And he's going to do that by talking about prayers, specifically praying and asking for wisdom. And until then, I encourage you all to prepare yourselves as best you can. Prepare yourselves to be ready to walk through whatever open doors um, our Lord has in store for us in 2021. Whether, whether they're open doors for our, us as a church or for us as individuals, let us do everything we can to be ready to walk through them and into a life full as Jesus has planned for all of us.